But, man, listen, today's the day of Pentecost. Is it? I mean, it's not the literal day of Pentecost, but it's, you know, the, the day where you would remember the day of Pentecost. And so I don't know if everybody knew that or if anyone has any thoughts about the day of Pentecost. I'll just read it real quick. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. A cloven tongue like as of fire is like if you take a lighter and you... And it produces a flame. That's like a cloven tongue, as like a fire sat on their heads, on the, above their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So the Holy Spirit dropped on these guys like a flame of fire and hovered above their head. Then they started talking in all these different languages. And the guys that had heard about this thing that had happened came, and they all spoke from different tongues or languages, and they all heard these guys each talking in their language, in different languages. And they were all amazed and marveling to one another. Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So how are these guys speaking in my dialect if he's a Galilean? So they're talking in like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different dialects simultaneously. But they're all Galileans who wouldn't know that dialect. And so they're like, That's right. What kind of what kind of witchcraft is this? <laughs> right? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And so there's another way you could look at it, that they were actually all speaking the same language. But that each of the people that were hearing were hearing it in their own language. Right? Right. Yes. Right? Pretty awesome. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. People who weren't Jews. <laughs> Proselytes. Crates and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues. And what are they speaking? The wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What means this? Others mocking said, These men must be full of new wine. <laughs> These guys must be drunk. <laughs> right? And the new wine is stronger. Right? I've been sitting around, you know. It hasn't turned into vinegar yet. <laughs> these guys, these guys must be drunk. That's what's going on. But Peter, Peter was a loud mouth, right? Peter spoke and thought after. <laughs> he didn't think before he spoke. He's kind of like me, right? And every once in a while, you put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> a, a funny story. Becky and I were talking, and I spent so much time, like, in the French Quarter and with people that, you know, are street type of people. And I don't mean homeless, but they're rough around the edges. And so they cuss up a storm. So when I'm around them, I cuss sometimes with them because that's how they are, right? It makes them feel comfortable. I'm already a minister and it already sketches them out, right? Because their idea of a minister is that they judge them. And so Becky and I always joke that I'm going to be 
losing my mind one day, like Peter, in the message, and out of my mouth is going to come that up Right? It's just going to be like, bam! And so, I put these captions on the short videos now. Because um, not everybody scrolls on Facebook and Instagram with the sound on. And there's people that are hearing challenged. So I got this app that does the captions. They're supposed to do them good. Well, I posted a short video yesterday, and uh, a guy in Covington messages me and was like, hey, man, this is a great message. And he sends me a screenshot of the captions, and guess what the caption said? Uh-huh. F the commandment. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just the letter F, it was the whole word. <laughs> There, it was no word. It was no word. I think I was about to say from, and I like stuttered. I, it wasn't a real stutter, but I said like that. I just said from, and it at home. It kind of it. I would show you the picture because I snapped the screenshot. Of it. I'll show people after the recording if they want to see, but it's hilarious. But anyway, people think oh, this guy's full of new wine. He must be drunk. What's wrong with him? Right? But Peter standing up with the eleven. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's early in the morning, right? The third hour of the day, I want to say, might be like three or four in the morning to us. Oh. Our concept. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Notice how he calls it the last days. Notice that. Notice what Joel says about when the last days are. We're always trying to figure out the last days. Listen, you don't have to figure it out. You're in them. And they've been in them since the day of Pentecost. Okay. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh, not just Jewish people, all flesh, Jewish and Gentile people. Third hour is 9 a.m. That's what I would know. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you anyway, find that? I, I just looked it, up. I looked it up. I looked it up. But what did you search? What does third hour of the day mean biblically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might say... It starts ancient, at 6 a.m. You then, might say to ancient Hebrew because their days go from night... To morning. Okay. Their day begins in the night. Okay. It doesn't begin in the morning. Oh. Their day begins at sundown. Mm-hmm. Oh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out into those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The day of Pentecost. So, what do you guys think about the day of Pentecost and what it means? I didn't realize it was today. I didn't either. You know? Interesting. It reminds me of a pretty funny story. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I grew up in Germany. 
and Germany had a lot of holidays that were based on religious tradition or history and they had a day that was called Fingston and we would get off school and I was like what is that you know so um, I was a teenager and I walked around in the little town and asked people what is Fingston and nobody would able was able to tell me and then retrospective they were all just off you know doing doing their thing happy they had a day off but they had no clue what it was about you know they knew what Easter was about and Christmas and all but Fingston was the day of Pentecost oh. and I found out you know after I got saved that that was the holiday mm-hmm. well then maybe let's ask this question why do you think God poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh was he just like, let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice. This, I, can, I can do this, so let's see what will happen. I mean, do you think that he was deliberate? Do you think that he had something in mind? Why do you think that the Holy Spirit was poured out? I think that uh, it was a fulfillment of a promise that he would pour out his life on all men. Mm-hmm. The promise that came through John when he said, in him was life, and that life was the life of men. The life isn't what's in the life of the world, but the, the life that came to us at Pentecost, when his life was poured out onto all flesh. Amen. Doesn't it say somewhere that he um, did that as a deposit, a promise? I can't we have a deposit, of... which is a certainty, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Yeah. We have the down payment right, of right. the eternal life right. that we know will even raise up our mortal bodies in immortality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was Anyone he, else? Was he showing like um, his love was for everyone and it didn't matter um, Jew, Scythian, you know, all yeah. the different types of people. Amen. Which was a big deal then because the Jews thought that the promises were only for them. Yeah. Right? And that's what they taught the world. And so the world thought they were outside of the promise of God. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh was that the promise was always to all people. Whether you were Jew or Gentile or Asian or African or anything, that the promise was to human beings. Right? right? And the promise wasn't according to your genealogy after the flesh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was absolutely intentional. And as we've talked about before, the psalmist says, who is man that you would make your home with him? Mm-hmm. And so this is the way God has designed us to function and his desire to be with us. And this is one way of him being with us through the impartation of the Holy Spirit that is now resident within us. So we've talked about Emmanuel, God with you, right? That's God with you, the Spirit dwelling in you so that you might have the mind of Christ, that you might be able to hear and discern and know what's from above and what's from below because God is right there with you to help you and guide you and lead you in those things. Yeah. So I think it's absolutely intentional. Yeah. And it's part of his divine plan to be with man. I mean, why would he create man and then say, yeah, no, I'm going to leave you go off on your own and not be part, and not be part of us and not be with us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, the Isaiah come and said that uh, 
the heaven is God's throne and the and the earth is his footstool, but where is the place where he finds his rest? Yeah. And then it says man. Right. And so God's always wanted to dwell with man. And he don't want to just dwell like in the house next door. Like he, he's interested in becoming one flesh with with human beings. Yeah. Meaning he's interested in intimacy. Meaning he wants to feel with you. He wants to think with you. He wants you to know him by way of experiencing him. And he wants to know you by way of experiencing you. Yes. Right? That's his idea of tabernacling or dwelling with you. Where you guys could share in the same thoughts. You could share in the same feelings. You could share in the same wisdom, in the same heart. Right? That you could share in the same thing. Right. right, that he could right. be in you and you could be in him. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone else? That's a good thought. Have any thoughts about? The Amplified Bible, I don't know if that's a good translation. What I was talking about is, it is he who has also put his seal on us. <laughs> in parentheses, that is, he has appropriated us and certified us as his and has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge in parenthesis like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise of eternal life. Yeah. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why would we need to be sealed? Because we're his. And so we wouldn't forget? And to shut out the lie. What do we need to be sealed from? The Death. world. Death. Oh. Death. Death. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We had to be sealed from death. <clears throat> and so if you notice at the end of, I know I read through all those passages and it's the King James, but at the end of that it says, And all those who shall call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Saved. Saved, <clears throat> Saved from what? Death. death. Right? If you, if you didn't know that death is real, just look at your body yeah. and look at what it looked like when you were 12 and look at what it looks like now. <laughs> and ask yourself, <laughs> and I don't mean you don't like it, you don't like your body, I love my body now, but I can like obviously tell that there is a, a perishing that is manifested, right? Like yesterday, Becky's like, Becky's like on the hunt for the first gray hair. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm on since past that. You just can't see it because I got no hair. Right? The Lord have mercy on my soul. And so she thought she found the one silver hair. And she was like, look, there it is. <laughs> and I, she, she says it's gray. I said, it's not gray, it's silver. And I said, I, I, said, I don't think you all despise that silver hair. I said, it's like Sarah. And I said, and you are Rebecca. (laughs) I said, you can see the life of God in that silver string. There you go. You know, but there's signs, right? And so God is busy wanting to, he finds his rest in us. So he's busy wanting to be with us for all time, right? right? Right. He's busy wanting to share life with us forever. But now there's a bit of an issue because there's death in the world, right? So he's got to get it right to get heaven into us. So that we overcome the death that's in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Because he's not happy just hanging out with us for 60 or 70 or, or 80, or if we're lucky, like Linda's mom, 120 years, or, you know, I guess we call that lucky, but I mean, I don't know that Jesus was unlucky, and he died when he was 33. We'll just say that's the world's way of thinking, right? It's better to be 120 than it is to be 30. I don't know. Paul said, it's better for me if I go to be with the Lord than if I keep living here. There's a lot in that context. Don't draw a doctrine from that, right? But... We, we're so much trying to get out of the earth and get into heaven. Right. Because we think then all would be well. But God, God wasn't thinking, let me get them out of the earth. God was thinking, I made the earth and I made them in the earth. He was thinking, let me get heaven into them. And that, let me unveil what it means that heaven and earth have collided in them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Because then the life they experience in the earth will transcend the death and the corruption and the calamity that's in the earth. Right? Right. And so if you look at before the day of Pentecost, Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days after he was raised from the dead. You see pictures of that. He appears to several of the people, and then you have him cooking the fish out on the water. Right? So Jesus is with them for 40 days. Jesus is teaching them all things. He is teaching them everything when he's with them for those 40 days. If you remember, Jesus said he's going to go to be with the Father. Right? He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another one to you like unto me, even the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And he will guide you into all things whatsoever I have taught you. And so Jesus taught them everything after he's raised from the dead. And now the Holy Spirit gets poured out on all flesh. Right. Right? To dwell inside of us. To unravel and explain everything that Jesus taught us. Mm-hmm. Both in his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And what he was teaching the disciples afterwards. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is now poured out to seal us with the Spirit of life. Right? right. To seal us with the Spirit of life. So that when the earth is cleansed from the death, we don't perish with the death. But we're sealed from the cleansing of the, the earth, just like Noah and those guys were sealed in the ark from the earth being cleansed from sin and death by the washing of the water. Mm-hmm. Right? And so God's like, I'm going to cleanse this earth from death. Like I always planned. That's what I'm going to do. Death does not have eternal life. I'm not going to grant eternal life to death. There's going to come an end to this death. It's perishing. We're going to put it on death row. But we got a problem because the people that we promised eternal life to from the beginning, the people we promised that we would dwell with them for all eternity, those people are in the earth. So how are we going to cleanse the earth from death and glorify it with our life and those people not perish with the passing away of death? we got to get it right to pour out our spirit onto all flesh. So that whosoever shall hear our voice telling them that we're their father and that we've come to claim them as our own, that we've come to produce our life in them to save them from the death that's beating and bruising them. Whoever shall see that and call us father, that our spirit can seal them and they will have the down payment of the immortality that we promised them in their flesh from the beginning. And that immortality, that down payment, that ceiling, it testifies in us. It gives us a certainty that we have life 
And that life is so much, not only can it not be overcome by the death, but it will rebuke the death, and it will rebuke the death so much that the death will cease to exist. And our, even our mortal bodies will be redeemed unto immortality. Right? I love to train and I love to work out. I do. Now, part of it was innocent initially. But I can tell you what, what I saw in my body and in my ability when I did all that, do you know why I started to love it? I was loving immortality. <laughs> I had an image of what immortality was. We're striving for immortality in our flesh. We're striving for strong bodies. Why else do you not like it if you don't feel strong? Why else are you trying to be strong? Why do we even say it's good to be strong? Where does that kind of an idea even come? Why do we even say it's good to be healthy? Why aren't we indifferent? Yeah. These things are all wired into us, guys. Right. And I'm not saying those th it isn't good to be healthy. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what we're actually striving for is immortality. And now through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that Holy Spirit testifies in us that we have the immortality that we're striving for. Right? And that immortality will even branch out into our bodies, consuming the death in our bodies to the uttermost. And it's like, for those of you that spend any time working out, on that last day, we'll look at each other and we'll be like, we finally got there. <laughs> Damn. All that working all that out. Work. All that running. That's right. All that training. <laughs> finally. <laughs> right? We'll look at man. I never could get that. Yeah, I right. never got the man. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And so that's what God's busy thinking. That's always been the promise. That's always been the blessing. Right? Paul come and explained it in Galatians. He said the law isn't contrary to the promise of God. The law pointed to the promise of God, actually. It's just not the the promise itself, meaning it can't produce the promise itself, right. right? And then he goes into that God promised Abraham and his seed, not seeds as in many, but seed up. He's talking about Jesus. What did he promise Jesus? And this happened back in Genesis when Abraham was put to sleep. And you see the flame of fire walk through the animals and you see the light walk through the animals. That's the father and the son. And the father promised the son there, I promise you that I will not suffer you to see corruption. I will not allow the grave to overcome your life or keep you in it. But I will raise you up out of the grave by the power of my love for you. And I will love you in your physical body unto our immortality that we've shared from the beginning. Mm. Right? And through that, through you being put to rest by my promise for you. And you're not going to have to sort it out intellectually because we're going to pour out the Holy Spirit inside of you. Yes, you'll be born of a woman, but you won't have a father from earth. Your father will be me, and the seed that will conceive you will be the seed of the Holy Spirit. And just so you don't get confused, when you get to be about 30 years old and all this stuff's about to go down, we're going to open up the heavens and pour out the Spirit on you again. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And then you're going to rest in our love for you. And in you resting in our love for you on the cross, that's the righteous thing to do. Mm. We, we think the righteous thing to do is to have the right behavior. No, no, no. No, no. The righteous thing to do is to rest in the Father to produce his life in you. Exactly. That's the righteous thing to do. Yeah. Jesus did that on all our behalf. The reason that he did it is because 
That's the only way the Father could have poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. He needed a human to trust in Him. A human that represented all humans. A human that even in the face of all the death coming upon his physical body and him feeling the weakness in his body and him feeling his joints and his bones being pulled out of socket and him feeling his life being overcome on the cross, he needed a human that wouldn't try to save himself. He needed a human that would actually call upon the name of the Lord. A human that would say, God's the father of my life. In the day I need my life to be uh, upheld, I'm going to call upon him. He needed a human to do that. And so Jesus did that. He rested in the Father, and he received the promise of the Spirit. So when he ascends into heaven as a man, having shed the body of corruption, able to receive the kingdom of God in his body, the kingdom of God is contained in an indestructible life inside of human flesh. He received the kingdom of God as a man inside of his physical body, and that's when the Holy Spirit could be poured out on all flesh. That's the promise of the Spirit. That has been the promise from the beginning. Right? Mm -hmm. That's the power unto God bringing forth the promise of his life in people. It's the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is not you can have a bunch of cows. (laughs) The blessing of Abraham is not that you can have a bunch of sheep. It's not that you can have a bunch of wives. It's not that you can have a bunch of physical children. It's not that you can have a bunch of gold and silver or Bitcoin. It's not that you can have a bunch of money. That's not the the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is that you can receive the very life of God through his Holy Spirit being poured out into you, and that Holy Spirit will make you exceedingly fruitful. You'll be blessed going in and going out. What that means is, no matter what's going on, you'll be filled with the fruit of God's life. You'll find the fruit of God's life welling up in you, even when you encounter tribulation. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you won't feel the tribulation. But you'll find the spirit of God's life producing his fruit in you in those days. And that's how you'll be made exceedingly fruitful. That's the blessing of Abraham. Yeah. That's the blessing of Abraham. The Holy Spirit being poured out on you. Malachi was a prophet. Yeah. Do you know what Jesus is? The spirit of prophecy. Mm. <laughs> Go read Revelation. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. The spirit of prophecy. So guess what a prophet would have to be speaking of? Jesus. So Malachi, what is he talking about? Jesus. How do we know? He begins chapter 3 talking about John the Baptist. Behold, one in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Then Malachi goes into how the high priests were not bringing the people into the place where God placed his name and allowing the people to eat the bread of life in that place. So he says, I'll raise up a new high priest. Bring ye the meat into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house for the people to eat. Unlock my house for the people, and there'll be bread in the house for the people, that they might eat and not perish. And see if I will not pour out on you the likes of a blessing that can't be contained. Like a rushing wind. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. So you know, one of the things the house of David is, is, is called, the house of David, Bethlehem, do you know what in Hebrew it means? The house of bread. Do you know why it's called the house of bread? Because that's the place where man could find the bread that would give them eternal life. Right. And they could eat it. Well, the Old Testament prophesied that God would give the keys to the house of David. To this guy. The Christ, the anointed one. Jesus. And so Jesus received the keys. And he opened up the house of bread. 
so that we could eat the bread that could give us life. That's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. And so God's not trying to get us into heaven. Don't ever let the corruption in the world confuse you and make you think it's better to go to heaven now. God has got heaven into you. Jesus even prayed in John 17, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. We don't like that. That doesn't fit with our theology. Jesus himself prayed, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, Lord. But I pray that you keep their hearts from the world. Right? And so God's busy trying to get heaven into us. If you called upon the name of the Lord, if you've come to the place where you've seen, I can't give myself life. I've tried. I can't overcome this death. I can't overcome the anxiety. I can't overcome the fear. I can't overcome those things. I can't make this body strong with a life that can never be corroded. If you come to that place, then you call upon the name of the Lord. You tell him, listen, man, I see that you actually have the life that I want. Right? And I, I see I can't produce the life that you have. Right? And so, man, glory to God. I commit my life into your hands. Bring forth your life in me. Right? You call upon the name of the Lord. You become sealed with the Holy Spirit. Heaven and earth collide in you. Heaven and earth collide in you. Heaven is inside of you. If you've called upon the name of the Lord. The next time you think... You're trying to get to heaven? Man, heaven has gotten it right to get inside of you by the righteousness of one man, Jesus. Right? right? Yeah. And you just need your eyes to be plopped open to what it means that heaven's inside of you. What does it mean that heaven's inside of you? What does that mean? That heaven, your earth made from the dust, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, right. Your body made from the dust, your earth. Well, heaven is God and his spirit of life. Now, if that spirit has come and dwelt in you, heaven and earth have collided inside of your heart. Right. It's even a precursor to the physical heaven and the physical earth colliding. That means the sea that separated the heaven and the earth has been removed in you. Yes. It's removed. You're walking heaven on earth. That's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> and so, listen, you, you want to start having these conversations with God about what does that mean? Listen, man, you don't need to feel anxious if you think you don't know exactly what that means. Ask God. The power is not actually in me telling you what it means. I could tell you what it means, and there could be some power there, but much more powerful would it be for your heart to want to inquire to God, what does it mean that heaven has collided with me in you? What does that mean? What does it mean that heaven has invaded earth in me? What does that mean? Because I promise you all the time we're looking for heaven to invade earth. But heaven has invaded us already. Yes. Right? And if you notice, it wasn't by our good works. It wasn't by our good deeds. And just to drive the point home with how wretched our own works are to produce life, the Lord of glory came and we were in so much darkness and death that we nailed him to a tree. So I don't care what kind of sin you think you could produce now that you think is in the way of heaven coming and dwelling in you. It ain't nothing compared to the sin that came forth in those days when the people who were even called God's people nailed God to a tree. Mm -hmm. And what did he still do? 
poured out heaven onto all of them. So they, I promise you, there is no more dead in sin than you could be, than those people were. Right? And so it had nothing to do with their initiative or their unction. It had to do with God and his will and him unable to deny his heart and the love he has in his heart for man and what he felt for man when he got down on one knee in Genesis and barocked them or blessed them because he adored them. He looked at them and he was like, yeah, we're going to have fun for eternity. This is the one. Dogs are nice. Cats are nice. Yes, the water's nice. Trees are nice. Feels good. But man, who can I talk to about what it feels like to walk on the water? Who can I talk to about what it feels like to jump up into the atmosphere and look down upon the earth and what we feel when we do that? Who can I talk to? Who can know what I feel when I do that? Who can taste it with me? Because I want to talk to somebody about it. What good is it if I'm sitting in the most beautiful place in the universe feeling all these things and I got no one to share it with? Exactly. Mm. And so God couldn't deny what he felt in his heart for us, even though we denied him and nailed him to a tree. And why do we deny him and nail him to a tree? Because he came into the earth to open heaven to us. He actually came to bring heaven to us. He walked around sending sin and death away from people. That's what he did. Heaven is here with you. Here's how you know it. I'm going to bind the strong man in your midst and I'm going to clean your house. You see, the strong man had made a home in us. Sure. Filled us with fear, anxiety, labors, annoyances. And Jesus came and bound the strong man. He walked around in the earth binding the strong man. Mm-hmm. So, guys, yes, we look forward to the day where our physical eyes no longer see any death. But don't ever let that death convince you that you're somehow separated from the heavenlies. And I'm not saying heaven is our destination. I'm talking about heaven in the sense of God and all that he is and all that he has in himself. Don't ever let the death that's in this world, the calamity, the weakness, the corruption, the politics, the viruses, don't ever let those things try and tell you that heaven is not in you. Right? right? Jesus told the, even told the disciples in Acts, no, no, don't go do nothing yet. Chill and wait. Just chill and wait. Yes. Right? Wait till you receive power from on high. And then you'll be what? Witnesses in the earth of the resurrection. He's not talking about a historical witness. Oh, they, they were historical witnesses. He's talking about you're going to receive power from on high when the spirit of God's indestructible life that has no beginning and has no end comes and dwells in you. You're going to be filled with power on high to consume the sin and death in the earth with the words of your mouth when heaven collides with you. The fire of God's life is consuming. It consumes sin and death. That's why the cloven tongue was over their head. 
They've been baptized in the fire of God's life, sealed with the life that even consumes death, that rebukes the devourer. You're going to be filled with power from on high, and you're going to start walking around in the earth, and you're going to be forgiving sin by declaring the word of a life that has overcome death in the flesh. That's going to send sin away from people. It's going to send death away from people. It's going to bind the strong man that's made a home in these people. It's going to remove fear from them as far as the east is from the west. It's going to put their flesh to rest. Hallelujah. Right? Yeah. You're walking heaven. <laughs> and I'm not trying to tell you what to be. <laughs> because you can't be heaven. But I promise you, heaven can manifest in you. Amen. And the way it manifests in you is by you just asking God, what does it mean that heaven has gotten into me? Yes. What does that mean? Yeah. Why weren't these guys filled with fear? Do you know the patristic fathers, the generation that knew the apostles, do you know what they wrote about the apostles? If you notice in the book of Acts and the Gospels, those guys were all running from death before the Holy Spirit was poured out. And the patristic fathers said they began running towards death. They began mocking it. They began walking around in the earth testifying of a life that overcomes death in the flesh. They began sending the sin and the infirmity that sin was serving people with away from them through the declaration of what God did to condemn death in the flesh. Right. You know what makes people weak? Death. Death. You know what will heal them from their weakness or their infirmity? True. When they see that God has bound death in the body of Jesus and that he's loosed his incorruptible life also yeah. through the body of Jesus' resurrection. Why do you think Jesus told that woman, Woman, you've been loosed from your infirmity. Do you see what he was doing? He was declaring heaven on earth. Wow. That heaven was open to him. He saw what was in the Father's heart. He saw how the Father gets down. He saw that the Father binds death. Everywhere the Father goes. I love what Marie said in the Bible study the other day when the Pharisees were upset with Jesus because he was healing people on the Sabbath. And, and Jesus said, listen, man, uh, my Father worketh always, and so do I. Jesus saw into the heavenlies. He saw the Father, and he knew the Father was filled with something in his heart where when the Father walks around, he can't help but bind death. And he can't help but loose eternal life in people. And that people are healed from their infirmity. And so he was walking around declaring in the earth what he saw in heaven. Yeah. Heaven was manifesting. He wasn't trying to manifest heaven. He wasn't <laughs> trying to bring heaven to earth. He was heaven in the earth. And he knew it. <laughs> he knew what was in heaven. Jesus said, no one's ascended to heaven but the one who came down from heaven. You know, I always like analogies for things to simplify them. My analogies always tend to be some kind of computer-related thing just because it's what I think about all the time. And to me, like, thinking about heaven, like, we're connected. Heaven's connected to earth through us, right? And it makes me think, like, earth is your home. It's your home network. And heaven is the corporate network. And they're not connected to each other because they, they, you don't connect the corporate and the home network. But you can through a VPN, and it's like where the VPN. That's good. Virtual private like network. That. Virtual private network. 
<laughs> because then you have a direct connection to the entire network inside of this untrusted, separated network. Yeah. You know? No, that's exactly right. Because in the beginning, when God made the heaven and the earth, it says there was a sea between them. That's the only time God didn't say it was good in all of creation. The reason why it wasn't good, good just means not complete. It doesn't mean bad, like we think of. It's not finished yet. And what God intended was that he was going to create a man, Adam and Eve, and they were going to call upon his name as humans, and that through them calling upon the name of the Lord, they were going to be would you, like a VPN. Is that what you're calling? Right. They would usher in heaven and the earth. Heaven and earth would be collided through them calling upon the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so God always intended for heaven and earth to be collided through humans. That humans would be the VPN? Right. It's like in, you know everybody has their own independent connection. The networks don't come together except through that VPN yeah. that started. And you yeah. create the VPN. And it sounds like that VPN opens up when you ask God, what does it mean that I'm the connection yeah. to this? Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, cool. I, I was yeah. uh, I was reading in Proverbs this week for some reason, and uh, and I gotta tell you, you can't help when you're reading through the Book of Proverbs to think, man, this is wisdom. There there was a depth to the truth that was being communicated in the Book of Proverbs, you know. But Jesus told the people of his day, he says, uh, the Queen of the South came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Mm-hmm. But one greater than Solomon is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, now, all this wisdom that you read in the book of Solomon's is yours plus in that connection that you have with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because there is one who is greater than Solomon, and that one is Jesus, the one that we possess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I, 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 for the first time, I just made the connection with what you read in Acts 2 and then what I've been studying in Ephesians 3 in Paul's prayer at the end. And just let me read this. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, surnamed, right? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, which is heaven and, heaven and earth. Yep. Boom. Mm-hmm. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, all that we ask or think, according to the power of that works in us, the Holy Spirit, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ through all ages, world without end. Amen. Oh, wow. Man. That's beautiful. That's That's Ephesians um, 3, the last seven verses. He's talking about that whole dynamic. Paul says so much in so little amount of time. Uh There's so much jam-packed in his sentences that it's obscene. Yeah. It's obscene. (laughs) You can spend all your days just meditating on a couple of sentences and you still wouldn't exhaust it. Right. Mm-hmm. You couldn't exhaust what he's saying there. Yeah. Right. And so John the Baptist was baptizing people with water. Right? Water baptism was only a sign back then. It was given in the law. Mm-hmm. And it was pointing to the baptism that Jesus would bring. 
And it pointed to us being washed or cleansed from the wound of death that sin was serving us with. That's why you would be washed. All the washings and the baptisms, the cleansings. It wasn't about you being cleansed from your bad behavior as if that was a problem. It was about God desiring to bring forth in you a clear conscience towards him where you would see that God's not ashamed of you, neither is he the one condemning you or punishing you, but he's the lover of your life. And the way you would see that is by him baptizing you in the light of his life. Mm. And so John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize you with fire. Paul would come and say, there's one baptism, one spirit, one faith. Right. Right? He's talking about the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire... I know we have a negative connotation about fire, but we don't have a negative connotation about light. And so you could just as easily say it's the baptism of the light of God's life. There's one who's going to come after me, John the Baptist said. This baptism with water is you repenting from trusting in your own works. It's when you let me dunk you. It's about you saying, I can't give myself life. Neither can the strength in this flesh give me life. I can't have life by the law or because I'm Jewish. I can't have life that way. But there's one coming after me. It will baptize you in the light of God's life. That's why the flame of fire hovered over them. You could easily say that God said, let there be light when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. Right? And so we're baptized in the light of life. And now we're sealed in God's life. And on the last day, when God comes back and stands physical foot on this earth, he's going to be clothed in a flame of fire or the light of his life, like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right? And that light is going to consume everything that is full of the darkness and death. Death and darkness will be removed. And the way that we'll stand there is we'll also be clothed in the light of life. Sealed with life from the end that's coming to death. Right? Mm-hmm. See, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And so Satan always wanted to steal our inheritance... And he wanted to kill us, and he wanted to destroy us. And so what he did was he joined, he, he, just like God, where is the place where I find my rest? Human beings. Satan wants to say, where is the place where I find my rest? Human beings. I want to come and build my house in them. I want to build a house for me to dwell in, and it's going to be these humans. And so he got, a, got it right to join his death and his darkness to us. And so God had to get it right to seal us with his life, to bind the death that had made a house in us and remove that death and then keep the house clean by sealing us with his life Mm -hmm. so that the death can never come back to us. Mm -hmm. So when he comes and stands in the earth, clothed in a flame of the fire of his life and all the death and darkness is removed, we're not removed with it. But we stand there in the same light. Children of the light. Wow. Right? Wow. That's why the baptism. And so I grew up in charismania. (laughs) <laughs> and so it was like the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about so you can speak in tongues. That's right. Yeah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about so you can flow in all these gifts. Yeah. It, we made it all about that. It's all about you falling on the ground. It's all about <laughs> you. Ha- and I don't say that can't happen. No. But that's not what it's all about. Laugh. That's not what it's all about. Right. That's not how we define the Holy Spirit. Rodney. Right. Rodney. We don't put the Holy Spirit in a box. Because there are gifts of the Spirit, right? And there are these kinds of things that can happen. But that's not what it's about. 
It's about filling you, like Jay just beautifully read off in Ephesians, with all the fullness of God. Yes. That you would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. That's why Paul, after he explained all the gifts of the Spirit, he said all those things will pass away. Yeah. But when that which is perfect comes, the love of God is born in you. You will know yourself if you've always been known, and you'll know what the Holy Spirit is all about. And so if you desire a gift, rather desire that you can prophesy, that you can tell one another what it means that God has always known you. So they can know what God has always known about them. Wow. That's what it's all about. Now listen, if any of you are like, well, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. If that's you, we're just going to pray right now. If you don't want to pray right now, do you, when you go off in the car or when you're alone in the shower or when you're walking around, you can tell God. You can say, listen, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit indwelling me. And I have called upon the Jesus, the name of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit may be already dwelling in me, but I don't know. And so, Father, here I am. Mm-hmm. I see that you've poured out your spirit on all flesh. Fill me yeah. with the light of your life. Amen. We just thank you, Father, that there yes. is such a thing. As the Holy Spirit. Yes. And that the Holy Spirit desires to dwell in us. Father, and if there be anybody in here that didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit filling them and filling their body, we just thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit come like a rushing wind upon them right now and dwell in their house. That it clean their house from fear. That it clean their house from anxiety. That it keep the light of your life inside of them, ever increasing in them, ever abounding them, making them exceedingly fruitful in all of your life. Mm. Thank you, Father. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The day of Pentecost.